This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Have you ever wanted to follow your passion and you just felt like, well, people were telling you, no, you can't do that. Go get a job. Go live your life the way you're supposed to, not to follow your heart and follow your passion. Well, today we get to talk to a gentleman who's doing the exact opposite of that. And I think that he is a really good indication of, of, of how you can live your life to a much better degree. He's an actor. He is a comic. He's a dramatic actor. He does musical roles. He's been an actor his entire life. Uh, we're going to be talking to him this hour. Um, he's also an improv actor and has done that. He, he's working with uh, our friend Jill at uh, Left uh, Coast Comedy. So uh, we're going to talk to him in just a moment. But before we go there, it's Friday, uh, Nathan. It's Friday, and the Mariners are playing, and it's going to be sunny. Yes, they are. Looking forward to a great game this afternoon. Hopefully, they can pull it off and beat the very high-tier National League Dodgers. Well, I, I really hope that this is a preview of the World Series. Wouldn't that mm-hmm. be fun? Yeah, you know, if we make it, the Dodgers could possibly very well make it too. And we could, if everything goes well, have the Dodgers playing against the Mariners in a World Series standoff. Which we would then be, we would lose our ranking as one of the only major league teams to <laughs> never play in the World yes, Series. Yes, we already broke that record of not making it to the playoffs last year. Let's break that record in the World Series this year. How about that? Exactly. By the way, I have to tell you that uh, uh, in 1977, I was uh, there for the first preseason Mariners game. Kingdom. (laughs) That's a great experience. I still wish we had the Kingdom back. I only got to go there once as a young child and really wish I could have better memories of going to that place because it was legendary. It was, and there was you could get you could get so far back that you could touch the ceiling. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, so it was <laughs> it, it was great fun, and and uh, what's the weather going to be like for us? Are we going to do okay? Or is it going to rain on Sunday? Of course, the Mariners are out of town, so it doesn't matter. The Seahawks are out of town. Just a so slight chance of rain going into Monday through Sunday night, but other than that, you know, just kind of partly cloudy skies and temperatures in the mid lower seventies. So pretty pleasant out there. You know, and I got to ask you because we're talking, and I don't know that I've ever asked this of you before, but doing what you do for a living, you uh, work for uh, KKNW mm-hmm. and you're a, a producer and you do all of these things rather than follow the normal thing that you're supposed to do and go get a, a, re- a regular job. <laughs> be a surgeon <laughs> in the medical industry is what you're saying. Or be a bus driver or something like that. But you've been doing this and this is kind of your, this is your passion and mm-hmm. you've been doing it um, and th- things broadcast related for a long time. Uh, what got you started doing that and why did you f- choose to follow your passion? See, originally I wanted to get into music. I always loved playing the piano growing up and I wanted some sort of career around sound. So I got introduced to studio production And long story short, as I was taking the studio music production classes, there was a quarter that wasn't 
offering them when it was time to take the advanced courses. So I took a basic broadcasting class and immediately fell in love with all the engineering and the aspects of the industry and decided to change my focus from studio music production to broadcasting. Have you ever thought about getting in front of the microphone like, you know, full time? You've got a voice for it. You're smart. That is a dream. And I'm working my way. Good for you. You know, speaking of the Mariners, do you do you know who Gary Hill is? I do. I've actually worked with him a few times in the past here. He does the UW women's basketball games. Yeah, and he is now a broadcaster for when I met him the first time, he was the board operator for Martha Norwalk. Mm hmm. And he did that for like uh, five, five or six years. But uh, the whole time he was preparing for um, his now career with he gets to travel with the Mariners. And he he really does a really good job at play by play. Oh, for sure. And I run Martha Norwalk's show now and she'll tell me stories about what he's done in the past. And we have about like five or six computer screens in front of us. And while he was running her show, he would the rest of the five screens would be all sports reports and he'd have a notepad taking notes and really preparing himself to get into that aspect of the business. So there again, that's another guy, another role where people would say, you know, Gary, um, um, the broadcasters for the Mariners have been there, you know, like forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I forget. Thinking about Dave Niehaus and Rick Riz. Yes. Dave Niehaus and Rick Riz, they've been there forever. Your hope of being able to be a broadcaster for the Mariners, forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. You can't do that. Go get a real job because you're never, they're going to be there forever. Well, sadly, Dave passed away. Mm-hmm. And Rick Riz has been doing this for 40 years. And he's, and so they've got a couple other guys. And then, and then uh, Gary got hired by K- Cairo to do um, his, um, the sports channel, to do some, the, the pre and post game and to do, and to run the board and stuff. And so he, he paid his dues and he did all that. And then they said, hey, you're pretty smart. You have been studying statistics for years and years and years, and you know a lot about baseball. Why don't you get behind the, <laughs> the microphone a little bit more? And he did that, and now he travels with the Mariners, and he's he's one of the uh, broadcast guys. Those small roles, I'll tell you, are really impactful for getting into the industry. I mean, it gets people to know who you are, and when they have a need for somebody, you're the first on their list because they already know you, and you're involved with them somehow. And I'm willing to bet that there were people in Gary's life that would say, Oh, Gary, 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 you know, you don't get paid much being a board operator. You don't get, you you know, the big bucks. It's not like you're making $10 million a year or whatever. Mm -hmm. Go get a real job, support your family and go do that. Well, he didn't. And I'm sure he had to do some things um, to help support his family, but he kept with his dream and he now has realized his dream in a huge way. Exactly. And is paid off big time and it really has and and it's a it's a great story um i i was real pleased to meet him and and uh he's a, he's a wonderful human being and he's a great broadcaster he's really has learned his craft and and does a terrific play-by-play and and uh, i 
I'm I'm honored to have met him, and and the, just like I'm honored to have met uh, Logan Cannon, who is our guest today. Um, and Logan, welcome to the show. How are you, young man? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, you're so welcome. And I know that you were listening in to our conversation about the Mariner. Now you're local here, and you're in yeah. you're in Portland, kind of more or less, though, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, live down in Vancouver, um, Washington, which is right across the river from Portland. So, which is the best place to be because you can live in Washington and not pay state sales tax. <laughs> yeah, and, if you go out for a night on the town in Portland, tax. it's a little cheaper, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they don't have uh, sales tax down in Portland. So, you can, it, it's, I, can't believe I said that, but you know, nobody, nobody knows that. So, it's okay. Um, <laughs> And but you are a, an actor and you've been uh, doing this your whole life. You graduated from Colorado, Colorado Mesa University. Um, you've got a, um, um, a bachelor's degree from there. You've been at the improv. I got to ask you because one of the things that you've done, I always like to ask people that have been, you know, like, stars or have been around the red carpet or or have been on a movie set and on in those sorts of things one of the things i haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about is you also did you worked at the comedy store with a group called la connection improv mm -hmm. and and what is that like? Because that the, the comedy store in L.A. is really world famous. Robin Williams was there. Yeah. All of them were there at one time or another. What was that like? Yeah, it, it was um, phenomenal. Um, so I'd been doing improv with that group for, I think, about six months to a year when um, our... Um, our troop, our little improv troop, we called us ourselves the wild cards. Um, we got, uh, we got to do two, two nights of guest spots at the comedy store. Um, and it was, I mean, just, just being in there, um, you can feel the energy from all of the other performances that came before you, the, the great performers, um, the audience is so excited to be there too because they feel that energy they know what they're going to see is going to be top notch um and I, I i for me anyway the excitement and the energy um canceled out any kind of nervousness i had when i was doing it for um for those two nights it was it was a blast it was great um and it just you just feel like king of the world when you when you get a good laugh on a stage like that it was fantastic did you rub elbows with anybody that we might know while you were there? Um, you know, not at the comedy store. Um, we were so uh, busy with our own stuff. We really didn't even, we didn't even roam around or anything. We went, we, uh, we did a pretty long set and we closed the night, um, both nights we were there. So we were the last show on. Um, so we didn't get a whole lot of mingling time afterwards, but um in the comedy store, but actually after one of the shows, one of the people we ran into when we all went out afterwards was, um, uh, Dennis Rodman was, was at the same, the same place we were for our after party. So that was kind of entertaining. Um, so uh, for those nice of you guy. who don't know, for those of you who don't know who Dennis Rodman is, he was a professional basketball player and he had some really unique ideas 
mm-hmm. about things and about life. Oh, yeah. and, and he was a crazy man. Yes. He, was, he was he spent a lot of money in Vegas and he did he he made a lot of money and he spent a lot of money. Most certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just as weird in person as you would think. He was wearing a pink boa and a fishnet uh, shirt and uh, was but he was very polite, very nice to us. So it was, it was a good time. <laughs> a pink boa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's I mean, he's like six foot nine wearing a pink boa and a you know, in a little bar at an after party. So he kind of stood out. <laughs> <laughs> I would guess, I would guess so. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always, I really wanted to be an actor when I was young mm-hmm. and I wanted to follow through with it. And my story is typical of what happens to a lot of folks is that uh, I went and um, went to community college and I went through the improv program and I did the uh, uh, drama or theater extempore and was cast in several shows and had the lead in one. Sure. And, um, but there came a point in time when that calling said to me, um, see that pretty little girl over there? Oh, yeah. Um, you got you to marry her. Well, okay, and and then and then you got to go and uh, go into management, and then you've got to um, make some money so that you can have a house and get some kids and get a dog and a cat and and stuff. And then that took all my time for the next uh, twenty five years, and so I lost my ability, and because I was, you know, a tradi- I was a traditionalist. How did you not? How did you keep away from being a traditionalist? You know, I didn't for a long time. Um, when I when I graduated from college, um, I ended up for a couple of years in uh, Oregon um, with my partner Amanda, who I'm still with, um, and she finished up her grad school up there. Um, and then we moved to LA at that point. So I was a couple years out of college when I when I moved to LA and started doing the acting, but I couldn't, I couldn't shake the responsibility like you. I couldn't just dive in and leave all of the financial stuff up to her. I couldn't bring myself to do that, even though she was willing to, to work with me and we could figure it out and do that. Even at that point, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't allow myself to do it. That sense of responsibility to just to pay the bills was so much that I ended up getting a full-time job, even though my intention was to get a part-time job. I ended up with a full-time job there. Um, I was able to do the improv. I, I did several films. I did a TV pilot. Um, I did a lot of stuff when I was there, but so much of it I had to turn down because I was afraid of losing that day job. Um, and we ended up back up here. Um, gosh, I think we were down there for about five years. And we ended up back up here um, in uh, uh, Oregon and then in Washington. And again, I was just I couldn't shake that responsibility. So I always felt I needed to have a full-time day job to pay for things and do things. And actually the end of last year, um, Amanda was, was in a new job and my job was really tough mentally. And it, I, it didn't allow for me to do any acting at all, basically with the last job I had, which was at a, a police department doing records. So Amanda, you know, we talked about it and, um, literally the whole time I've known her, which is since junior high, I've known her. I've always said, I just wanted to act. Um, and she's like, this is your time. You need to do it. Um, and so I did beginning of this year, I, I, uh, I quit my job into last year and beginning of this year, since January, I've just been 
full-time acting and it's, I, I can't tell you how much better I feel about myself and life and everything. I finally feel like I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing and it, it feels amazing. It's been fantastic to just be doing that and diving in and bringing joy to other people with the things I'm doing. And it's been great. Well, the first thing that I would like to do is I would like to congratulate Amanda for being one hell of a woman. She's amazing. Yeah, she's absolutely incredible. And that's always, always backed me up. And the biggest factor holding me back, like I said, was my own sense of responsibility of I can't take this dive just for me. I felt so much responsibility to, to everybody else. And what I've realized this year is by doing what I really want to do, I'm, I'm better for her. She's, she enjoys being around me more <laughs> and I, I have more to give to her um, emotionally and mentally than I ever did before. So, and I'll bet you, you take out the trash and do the dishes a lot more than you used to. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I always did most of the cooking because I love to cook, but she did so much of the little stuff. And, uh, now I'm able to do that for her, uh, more often, which is good. <laughs> I, it's a, that's a perfect deal. And, and I mean, in my situation, it didn't work out that way because, uh, my significant other could not, uh, command the type of money that we needed, uh, for the mortgage and for the kids yeah. and, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So, so I had to continue doing what I was doing until I ran into radio and well, the rest is kind of like history. So here we <laughs> absolutely, are. you know, and I hope, I hope and the way things have been going this year, it, it seems like there's a pretty good chance. I hope to, you know, make a, a living as they say, as an actor. And, um, I, I gotta say it's been ramping up a lot faster than I expected it would. Cause I had a, about a six year gap with that last job where I basically I couldn't act at all when I was working for the police department. It just logistically didn't work out. Um, so I was really afraid that that would have just killed it and nobody would ever want to see me again, but it hasn't been the case. I've been acting a lot this year and I love it. Well, that's a, That's good. That means that you are de destined. And the, the reality is I think, and you tell me, but I think when you are, uh, male and you're in the acting profession and you're a little older, a little more seasoned, uh, you have a, you have a lot more breadth of parts available to you. Is that be true? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is literally since I got to college, I've been playing a 40 year old and now I actually <laughs> am. So it's great to play the age I am, um, which is, is, is kind of funny because I always got cast older than I was. And I think now that I have lived that 20 years in between, not only can I be cast as that part, but I have a lot more to bring to it as far as what my life and my own experience has to bring to a new character, which is great. That's awesome. So how often do you go to uh, auditions? Um, I have had so well, that's another interesting thing. So since the pandemic, um, prior to the pandemic, and especially when I lived in LA, if you got a call for an audition, it was usually like, we need you there this afternoon or forget about it kind of a thing. And you had to physically go there since the pandemic, almost all auditions are now self tapes or zooms. So you rarely have to go anywhere unless it's a callback or something. Um, so that's changed a ton and that's allowed me to do, I mean, I've, I've probably averaged two or three auditions a week um, since like February. Oh, congratulations. Thank that's you. That, that is really awesome. You know, yeah. 
Do you know who John Edward is? I'm not sure. He's a psychic medium. Okay. And he did the show Crossing Over and other right. shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he's world-renowned, mm -hmm. and he travels all over the world. Well, he's got a daughter, and she is an actress. And so she's been cast in a couple of, of and I love your opinion on his take on this. He's, uh, she's been cast in a couple of, of um, major motion pictures. You probably would recognize her if you saw her. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he has a unique way of saying this to her. She said, he says, you're not going for an audition. You're going for an interview because an interview means that you may not be the you may be a, a round peg in a square hole because you're too short you're too tall you're too skinny you're too fat or whatever rather than um rather than looking at it and taking it personally that when you audition for something and you don't get the part that there's something wrong with you he his attitude is there's nothing wrong with you you're a beautiful human being and a beautiful person and you can fit a certain part but you're not going to be you can't be um if you're a young man you can't be uh i, I don't know if, well if you want to be dennis rodman you have to be somewhere around six nine to play dennis rodman uh, a, a short fat white guy like me would never have a shot at playing dennis rodman does that mean so so but, we have to look at it that way more so, don't you think? Exactly, exactly. The way the way I kind of like to think of it um, is what you're going for at an audition um, is you're going to see if you fit into the canvas that that director, producer are painting. And if they're painting, uh, you know, Van Gogh's Starry Night and your uh, Jim Lee's Captain America or something, you're not going to fit into Van Gogh's Starry Night if you're a comic book. But if they're casting a comic book, you're going to be just right for it. But if you happen to be Van Gogh side of art, you're not going to fit into that comic book. So it it's not that you were there was anything wrong with you. It's literally just they're fitting the puzzle together. They're choosing the paints they want for their vision. And you just don't fit into it. And that's OK. It's you're not for everything. Um, so yeah, I, I I very much agree with what what uh, he would say to her is that it's never that something's wrong with you, um, it's always that you just don't fit into the overall vision this time, and that and that's totally fine. Um, so yeah, but but when you do get the part, I we uh, auditioned for uh, Taming of the Shrew uh, mm -hmm. when I was uh, in college and. Uh, and we all, all the whole group, there were like 30 or 40 of us, and we all were going for Petruchio or Kate or, or, and that sort of thing. Well, um, it is a great honor when you, and he said that he was going to put it on his, on his phone, who got what part, uh, cause he did it over the weekend. And so it is a great honor when you, your name is called next to the character you wanted to be, which in my case was Petruchio. Yep. And so I got to play the lead in that. My girlfriend at the time didn't think that was a very good idea because I had 50 pages of dialogue that <laughs> she had to go over with me. And it was Shakespeare. Yep. And so, uh, but, but still, it's a great honor when you get picked for a role, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it's the top of the world every time. And I mean, I've, you know, I've played 
the lead in plays and musicals and movies and short films, but I've also been just as happy to be guy in background number three. Hey, I'm glad I fit into this and I get to help bring this vision to life. It's so much fun. So yeah, it's the, the, the old adage, you know, there's no small parts, only small actors. Um, it is very true. And I think the small actor comes in and not, not being happy to just be part of bringing something to life because that's what it's, it's all about. It's about bringing that, whatever that vision is to life and being a part of it, um, no matter how small or big that part is. You know, I learned that because of that part, because I did uh, Taming of the Shrew, which was a huge thing and it took forever and learning if, and by the way, it's Shakespeare. So you can't uh, ad lib your lines very well if you forget what you're doing. Nope. So you have to know, know it word for word and know what each word means. But I, but prior to that, I did was Lazar Wolf the Butcher in uh, in uh, Fiddler on the Roof, mm-hmm. which is which is a medium sized part. He had one basic scene uh, that was, but that was for me was much more fun than having the entire production resting upon whether or not I could, I knew the lines. So like, thus I have politically begun my reign. Tis my hope to end successfully. My Falcon is now sharp and passing empty. That's all I remember from the whole dang thing. Anyway, (laughs) that's okay. At least you remember something. That's great. I remember (laughs) in, uh, in fifth grade, I got uh, a part in this little, I don't even know what it was. Some, I have made up little, fifth grade play thing that we did at the end of the year. And I had one line. I still remember the line because it killed the whole audience died. Um, The line was, Hey, 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 a girl, is she cute? That was it. (laughs) And, and I would just, I mean, I went out there and I just like went for it with these guys, my, my two friends in the play, I run up and I wrap my arms around them. I'm like, Hey, 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 a girl, is she cute? (laughs) It just every night it killed because nobody else was like going for it. And, uh, and I was, I mean, I didn't care if I looked stupid. I didn't, as long as I got that laugh, that's what it was all about. So the, uh, the, the, one of the, one of the best parts I ever had is it was uh, a play called dark at the top of the stairs. And I played punky Gibbons. They didn't want, nobody wanted that role because it had no lines. mm -hmm. Um, But it was a very physical part. And it was a part that had a lot of meat to it because he was too shy to talk. So <laughs> he would just kind of mumble and, and stuff. And that got more laughs than any other. It was a serious play. And that was the only one that got any laughs. And it was so much fun to play. So it doesn't matter which it doesn't matter. It doesn't if you're not on the marquee, but you get the to be on in the show and you have a meaningful impact and every every actor can make that impact, can't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and if you're there and you're putting everything into it, it will just make everybody else better, too. Um, You know, if you're if you're giving as much as you can to the character um, everybody else that's in the scene with you or in the movie or in the play is just going to be better for it because they can build off what you're giving and you can build off what they're giving. And it, it's such a good feeling and experience. And it's so much about teamwork, even in a scene by yourself where you're the only person, which happens a lot 
in like film or like uh, on stage, if, if you're, you know, given a monologue or something, it, there's still so much that you're feeding off, whether it's the audience, whether it's the 35 people that set up that shot and the guy behind the camera and the, 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 the woman running the focus on the camera and the boom operator, there's all these people that are there and they want you to succeed. And you can just pull all that in and use it to make everything better, which is great. It's great to be part of that team. Um, like you were talking about sports earlier. I'm not a big sports guy. Uh, my sport is acting. And I think so much of acting is just as important um, to know your team and to work with your team and to feed off your team and, and feed your team as well. When you are doing a show and you're doing a play, you're with these people every day for six weeks or or two months. Mm -hmm. And if there's a certain camaraderie that comes with it that doesn't happen anywhere else. The only time mm -hmm. it happened with me on a football field, but it, and it happened with me in the acting um, in, in, the, in the green room when everybody's yeah. there and they're all and everybody's excited about the show and and we're going to have a great show and then then you have a great show yep. and you everybody's proud of each other for the contribution that each person makes it is if you haven't done it do it please highly it, recommend it yep it is definitely a, an experience everybody should have in life it's it's amazing now we're talking with uh, Logan Cannon. If you want to uh, audition him, um, he's a good-looking man in his early forties, and he can play anywhere from his mid-thirties to his seventies. So, so um, do that. But we're going to come back from this break, and when we come back, I because you are a professional improv actor, I want you to talk about the necessity, in my opinion, the necessity for everyone to take an improvisational acting class because it has so much value in so many ways. So we're going to tackle that when we come back. So stay with us. You're listening to Positive Talk Radio right here on KKNW, 1150 AM. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream. And second, I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we will lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio, video products to fill any need. 
please visit kmmedia.pro backslash our dash store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at Kevin at KMmedia.pro and let's create something great. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. It's 1235 on a Friday afternoon. I hope everybody's happy and you're enjoying your lunch while you're sitting in your car listening to this presentation that we have going. And we've got uh, Logan Cannon with us. He is an actor of note and an improv performer and he's done comedy and he's done musicals and uh, he's a really good guy and he's working at becoming a um hopefully one of the you're gonna have to promise me logan that when you walk the red carpet you're going to have to say and i was heard on positive talk radio and give us a shout out <laughs> how about how about when i walk the red carpet and people actually recognize me because i did walk the red carpet once but nobody cared <laughs> <laughs> that's that brings one down to earth doesn't it yeah yeah i uh i i went to uh the beverly hills film festival with a film a short film that i was in and they had the red carpet set up and and uh sharon stone went by and and then i walked by and nobody cared so it was wonderful <laughs> what does sharon is sharon stone as beautiful in real life as she appears to be on film she definitely was yeah she absolutely gorgeous and and put together um and just a lot of poise i imagine that would be true and you know one of the ways that you get poise mm -hmm. is by improvisational acting absolutely. i am a firm believer and i would love your opinion on this i am a firm believer that whether you you're going to have a career in sales whether you're going to have be a, a waiter or a bartender, or you're going to do anything where you're around people, you can be a telemarketer. Yep. And if you have um, the the ability to act improvisationally in those roles, and for your self confidence, I think it adds to a great deal for your self confidence. What do you think? How did it help you in your career? Well, it. Um the 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 cliche phrase of the yes and um is the way i like to think of it and in the way i think it helps everybody is first off you got to listen you got to hear and see listen you know with your eyes with your mind with your your uh, ears what the other person is bringing and then you can't push it back you have to take it in and build on it that's where the yes and comes from. And I think as far as like in in business and with jobs that I've had since I did improv, um, a big thing that it, that it allowed me to do was be able to uh, go with other people's ideas, not just say, hey, my idea is the best and we have to do it. But if somebody else throws in an idea, I'm not going to step on it. I'm going to grab that idea and I'm going to add to it and I'm going to run with it because that's that's what improv is about it's not just your idea it's everybody's idea and you have to work to bring it together and that's what makes the best improv scene is being able to take other people's ideas and add yours to it and then it's like 
adding flavors to a soup. It just gets better and better. I totally agree. There was one time that uh, I was in an improv acting class, and it was the caricature of a grizzly bear, and the car- and my caricature was of a turtle, and mm-hmm. which is, by the way, how I got Punky Gibbons because of the turtle. <laughs> and 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 so he, the the grizzly bear was going to fire the turtle, and so we were sitting in chairs opposite, and he was being a grizzly bear and ramping up and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> he was going and going and going, and then I then I said, "You can't fire me. I have a wife and three eggs at home." <laughs> and he kept going, and he kept, and then it, it dawned on him what I said, and he stopped, and it, it, and that's where the scene ended. But it's. <laughs> It was because of he wasn't listening as well, but at the same time, you could come up with things, and I'm sure this happens to you, happened to you all the time, that you walk into a scene, you have no idea what you're going to do, and suddenly something extraordinarily funny comes out of your face. Yep, yep. And, and a lot of it, uh, a lot of that comes with um, trusting yourself. You get a lot of that in improv too. Um, you'll go out on stage and not know literally the whole point of it is you don't know what you're going to do. You have a lot of the times a very loose structure, um, like point A, point B, but everything in between, you don't know what it is. But if you sit there and think about it, everybody else is just going to run away with the scene and you're not going to be part of it. You have to trust yourself and be able to dive in there with what you think. And if it doesn't work, doesn't matter. The next person's going to pop something in there and maybe you can roll with that. Um, and sometimes the funniest things in improv or the most impactful things, if you're not doing a comedic, you're doing more of a, a long form, serious improv are when things don't work, but that allows other people in the scene to build, or it allows you to build on that too. Um, and not just not being afraid to fail. It's totally okay to fail because there's going to be another chance in three seconds. <laughs> exactly that that is so true and i want to paint a picture for you if you're in the audience and you are thinking about your okay say you're a salesperson all right i was a salesperson and i did what was called a cold call mm-hmm. where i would walk into I, and I sold food to restaurants and i would walk in and i don't know if you if very many people know that a chef in a restaurant is very busy they work a lot of hours they don't have a lot of time nor do they give a crap about the guy in the suit who's coming to try and sell them something <laughs> so you've got like 10 seconds to make it work and to make it work right away and and so if you have an improvisational background and you can think on your feet and you can listen to him not only the words that he might be saying but the body language that he's yep. using and all of those things combined you can be successful at that far more than if you are looking at your feet and stuffling, shuffling your feet and saying, I'd like to, you know, sell you some bacon, mm-hmm. you buy some mm-hmm. bacon, you know, and it's so it can be beneficial in anything you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of sales jobs um, and also uh, some management jobs. And in both instances, you know, doing basically like a short, almost kind of, mini interview when somebody comes into your your store when you're selling that listening skill from improv and hearing in just a couple of sentences you'll be able to understand what's important to that person and then you'll be able to understand what you have that fits in with what's important to them and you can sell them that i mean and 
that I think is a big difference in, in, in a sales technique. I I've worked with people and their idea was, well, we have to sell this thing. So we're going to push this thing on everybody. Whereas my idea was always, what is this person actually looking for? And what do we have that, that can serve their needs? Um, which I think came from improv quite a bit in it. And it works great. I mean, I, it, one of the places I worked at went from, uh, uh, a pretty small business to, um, literally like the first year I was there, we tripled their sales figures, um, by me and one other guy being there. So it, it, it can definitely help there. And then in management, it's, it's the same idea. If you have to roll out something that may not be popular, you need to listen to your team. And if it's truly necessary, you need to figure out how to understand what's important to them and understand how, what you need to do as a business can fit in with what's important to them. Um, and also just the listening is so important. Listen to their concerns, listen to things and see if there's any way you can change and mold your ideas to fit in with them and get the buy-in, um, which is the same thing as, as fitting your idea into somebody else's scene that's already going on in an improv stage um, and just making it work together as opposed to button heads. I have been also a district sales manager and I had 11 people working for me, different sales guys. And the thing that I always, I would sit them down afterwards and we'd have this discussion like you and I are having, because what they would do is they would go talk to a guy and they have an idea in their head of what they want to sell them. And so they're selling them on that idea. And then when the, when the uh, other person starts talking back to them, they're not listening to what the man is saying or woman is saying. They're listening to what they're going to say next to get them to buy what you want to sell them rather than understanding what their needs are. So you have to be an exemplary listener if you're going to be in sales, if you're going to be in improv, anything that you do, because it is the other person, you need to understand what they're after. And yep. once you understand that, you already know this. Once you understand what they're after, you can then tailor your discussion to meet their needs. And that's all they want. Absolutely. Everybody wants to be listened to and and heard. And um, if you can do that, I found doing that, even if I didn't have anything that that person needed or wanted, they would still get something from me or they would come back to me um, when they did need something that I could offer. So, and it's, it's the same thing that I've done in auditions. Um, if I'm open to uh, the direction that's given to me, even if the way I read the script, I feel the character should be played completely different. I'm not going to resist the director's, you know, direction. I'm going to do it exactly what they asked for and try and bring as much as I can to that. And I can't tell you how many times that I've, they've said, Hey, let's have you do this other part. Or they've brought me back in for something else that I didn't get the first one. It's listening to what they want and being a part of that team that's going to bring you back in the room later on uh, as an actor or anything else you're doing in life. So if you, uh, if you don't listen well and you're resistant to the, how somebody wants you to react like in acting, if, mm -hmm. if, if the director says, I would like you to do it this way and you're resistant to that, I'm sure that you get a one word answer, which is okay. Next. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you've already got the part and you do that, 
you're not going to be working with that director again. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be resistant to having you in their films later on, which, you know, there's been a lot of big actors that had very short careers um, from what I've heard because they're difficult. And there's been a lot of other actors that have had long, long careers, even if they never had big roles, everybody likes working with them. And I, I want to be one of the people that that people like working with, and I want to help them be better so that they'll help me be better. And you know what happens when you do that? Down the road, when they're doing another project, and they think about, well, I liked working with this guy, and he fits the mold of what, can you give him a call and see if he's available for that? So it yep. kind of builds on itself, doesn't it? Absolutely, yep. Yep. And then those relationships are, are definitely, um, important and they build a ton. I mean, if, if you work well creatively with people and, and you're able to help their vision come to life and they're able to help your vision come to life and you're pleasant and kind while you're doing it, it pays dividends huge in any artistic endeavor, but especially in acting. By the way, we're talking with Logan Cannon, and uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if somebody mm -hmm. has a part that has your name on it, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, well, uh, there's a couple of ways you can um, you can contact me. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Logan Cannon underscore actor. Um, I also, uh, uh, my agent's website is actorsinaction.com. And uh, you can find me on there in the list of guys. You can contact me through my agent as well. Um, Facebook as well, Logan Cannon on there. Um, so those are all real good ways to get a hold of me if you're looking for uh, an actor who loves to do it and is perfectly happy in a little part, a big part, any parts you have for me. Um, I'm in it for the joy of acting. A, a very famous um uh, film actor from, I believe, 20s, 30s. I can't remember his name, but he said, uh, you pay me to sit around and wait. I do the acting for free. And that's very much how I feel about it. I love the acting part of it. Um, sitting around on set is, uh, is what you're paying me to do. You're, you're, uh, you're getting the acting for free. <laughs> it is so interesting because most of us have never been on a movie set. Mm -hmm. So most of us don't know what actually goes on and how much time that you are there waiting for oh, i have a good friend that what she does is uh, she is the model who stands in for the star quote unquote mm -hmm. while they're setting up the lighting and setting up the you know, the shots and all that so that the actor can be in their in their trailer having a cup of tea and and, and enjoying themselves and and she's out there for three hours sweating and and trying to get that right and so that the actor comes out and they do the shot and it's done so yep. but yep. there are all kinds of roles like that and and but she loves what she does absolutely yeah yeah and it and and it is uh it is a lot of hurry up and wait as an actor but that i've seen and people i strive to, to be like are ones that i've seen on set um one one person that comes to mind is is uh chris cooper um i saw him on set uh when i was on a set actually i was a, a photo double for zach galifianakis in the muppets movie and um so i had to be in his costume and in the theater all day like 13 hour days i didn't get to leave because if they needed me in a shot i just had to be there um but the best part about that was was getting to see all the other 
amazing professionals. Um, Chris Cooper being one of them, he, all of the scenes that he filmed while I was there, um, when they turn the camera around, a lot of other actors that I have seen on set will do what you just said. They'll go back and, and drink tea in their trailer. Chris Cooper was there and giving every bit of his performance off camera for the other person so that they could deliver their lines to him. Um, and he was, I mean, he knew everybody's name. He was super kind and he was just on point. And if the director gave him any direction, he said, thank you. And he just nailed it on the next take exactly what they asked for. Um, so that, that was great. And also the puppeteers on that, just how hard those puppeteers worked and how uncomfortable their positions were and things. They were amazing to see. So yeah, seeing that, that kind of dedication and, and that's what I strive for. I want to be that guy who's on and ready and respecting the hard work that everybody else has put in. When I get in front of that camera, I want to be prepared and I want to nail it because everybody else has done their work already and it's my turn to fit in. Do you remember the movie uh, Few Good Men? Yes. And the, the uh, scene with uh, uh, Jack Nicholson at the end, he did mm -hmm. exactly that. He sat there and, and when he was feeding other people lines and he was off camera technically, mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll have a, a script person or somebody will feed you those lines. Yep. He fed them exactly the way that he ended up doing the final performance. And for those of you that don't remember him, it's truth, you can't handle the truth. That yep. was the big one out of that. Um, but that's a professional. And yeah. that's what somebody that really cares about their craft and really enjoys what they do do. And you can do so much more, regardless of whether it's acting or being a carpenter. Mm -hmm. If you work hard and do the best job you can, uh, I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's important. It's called being a professional. So um, it's, I, I really enjoy our conversation. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. Anything else you'd like to talk about before we have to wrap it up? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I Oh, actually, uh, a short film I just did uh, called Male Members Unite. It's a short comedy film I did earlier this year with uh, Vincent Truman. Um, it just won Best Comedy at the Snohomish Film Festival. So if you want to check out uh, Vincent Truman's um, YouTube channel, you can watch that film. It's pretty funny. I'm in a, a couple of his on there so it's a good time i highly recommend that it's good for a laugh <laughs> very nice and your youtube again or his youtube is. Uh, his youtube is uh just vincent v-i-n-c-e-n-t truman t-r-u-m-a-n um and uh my youtube just pretty much has uh, <laughs> a bunch of unlisted videos for auditions that i've sent but there are a few a few short ones on there if you want to see some clips of me um, and that's just, uh, uh, Logan Cannon on YouTube. Um, there's a few of them, but if you look up there, you'll, you'll find one with my picture. So, <laughs> well, and, and on your website is uh, also, uh, you, a, uh, yep, a YouTube a of the, of the goodbye girl. Yep. Yep. I uh, have a scene of the goodbye girl on there. Yep. Um, so yeah, actors You can look me up on there, um, and, uh, follow that link to, to that and, uh, yeah, enjoy seeing me <laughs> and by the <laughs> way you were every bit as good as dreyfus was in that well thank you i appreciate that dreyfus is amazing so uh, thank you also understand he's he's one of those difficult ones but that's 
Yeah, I hear he's pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you did a great job with that. And and I really wish you a lot of a lot of good happens for you. And including um Left Coast Comedy, which yeah. uh, is Jill's group and and uh you're part of that group as well. Yeah. And you've done yep. a couple of films with them. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully uh the uh one I wrote hopefully will be premiering soon as well. So look out for that one. It's called Young Jedi. So Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We they were talking about that, yep. and and also, and I have to give you um, your brother a little shout out. Oh yeah, he, he's a he does uh, comics and uh, and and he's an illustrator. His name is Tyrell Cannon. Um, what do your parents think of you guys being in the arts and so so uh, doing so well? Uh, you know, they have always been supportive of all of our artistic things. My, my mom and dad are both very artistic. They both sing. Um, my, my mom plays piano and things. Um, she's also a phenomenal artist. She's doing a lot of painting now that she's retired. And my dad, um, always been artistic. He, he did carving and things over the years. And, and his current artistic endeavor is he does, um, he, uh, carves on emu eggs, um, we've had emus for years and years and years and emu eggs are, are dark green, but the, the deeper you carve, they go to a light blue and then to white. So you can do some phenomenal, just beautiful work with that. So they've always had those kind of side passions. Um, and again, that sense of responsibility for them, they always worked really hard, um, at day jobs, but they always had fun and art going on too. And, uh, they're super happy that, that me and my brother, um, are able to do our artistic passions full time. Um, so they're, they love that and, uh, they're very supportive as are my, my other, uh, older brother and sister as well. So I got two brothers and a sister and they've all been very supportive. And I would just like to suggest if you are, if you is a parent out there and you've got a child who is exhibiting signs of being an extrovert and wants to go play and, and loves to sing and loves to dance around the house, feed into that, give them yep. that passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can, uh, you can actually pick up my brother's first image comic book at pretty much any comic book store. It's called the schlub. Um, and that's real good. So I highly recommend that and, and keep an eye out on his work too, because we actually write comics together. So you can, you can get a couple of comics that I've written with him and he's illustrated on his website, tyrellcannon.com. Tyrellcannon.com. It's, it's awesome. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, well, thank it's, you. it's been great fun having you on positive talk radio what do you think how did we do i think we did great kevin this has been a blast i really enjoyed it well i'm so i'm so glad that uh we were able to get get you on here i love the arts i love people that are uh brave enough to go and do what their heart tells them to do yeah yeah it's definitely the greatest thing you'll ever do uh in my opinion is is to follow that passion i i feel better now than i have um, since I was in college and doing, you know, four shows at a time, it was, was great. And now that I'm in that mode again and just acting all the time, I just feel so much better about life. Your home life is better. Your blood pressure is better. What's not the like, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so again, we've been talking with Logan Cannon and we're going to be back by the way at three o'clock on Kixie with another great episode. I hope you'll stay here for that. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you at 3 o'clock on Kixie.